This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. Have you ever had this issue? You give your students a great math task. They all solve in creative ways, and many are ready to share their ideas. You select a few students to share with the whole class. Their work is displayed on the board for all to see. Then your students start to talk about what they noticed and wonder. But then the discussion just kind of fizzles out. The conversation has hit a lull. Kids are repeating themselves, and they're repeating what each other have already noticed. And students aren't really getting to the heart of the math. Have you had that problem? Me too. So as a facilitator of the math discussion, what do we do now? Well, I say the first and most important thing is you as the teacher and the facilitator must know the math deeply, like inside and out and all the ways that it could show up. You have to know what comes before that math understanding and what comes after. I like to call this the trajectory of understanding. And in order to fully facilitate the growth of students along that trajectory of understanding and allowing students to develop along that progression of skills, you have to see the bigger picture. You have to understand the development from the lowest level to the most developed level. You have to know all the ways that this skill or concept could be thought about the far below and the far above grade level. When you understand that, it allows you to think about just the right question or nudge to help your students progress. When you know the concept well, then you'll be able to draw connections between certain models or contexts. So how does all of that relate to the example I gave at the beginning? Well, when we know what the math concept is, and we fully understand the trajectory of that concept, both below and above grade levels, we're able to ask the right question in that moment when the math discussion is at a lull, when students don't know what to say. We can either insert a small amount of direct teaching of a concept, give a math vocabulary term and definition, or ask students to notice or wonder about a specific strategy or model. This is the direct teaching and guiding within a student-centered classroom. Oftentimes when I talk about student-centered learning, 
people have a misconception. They think what I'm trying to describe is the wild, wild west of the classroom. Like that students are just off solving however they want and they're teaching themselves math, which it's very different than that. What it actually is, is a lot of teacher planning beforehand, a lot of teacher understanding of the concepts, and a lot of listening. So that when students are exploring and discussing and thinking, the teacher can ask the right question to move students along that progression. The understanding of the teacher's has of the progression is probably the highest leverage tool in both planning and facilitating student-centered math. And what I mean by that is when we understand this progression, we're better able to help find out where students are along that progression and then move them further. This isn't about where the third grade standards end. This is about taking our students in from where they are and moving them to wherever they can go, their fullest potential. And that happens through listening and trying to understand where the student is. Formative assessments, observations, asking questions to get students to describe their thinking so you fully understand what they're thinking so you can make the next move question, nudge, to move them further along. So today I have four things that you can do as the teacher or the facilitator of a math discussion to really make sure that you are planned and prepared to move students along that progression. Number one is start with the end in mind, okay? We can't go into this math discussion without a plan. And So spend some time with the standards. In order to understand that progression or that trajectory, you really have to know the standards. The standards show the progression of skills. The standards are a great place to start because they are, for the most part, universal and demonstrate how that concept and skill build among the grade levels. So once you have an understanding of the standards and the progression big picture, number two is to really think about where you are in your lesson or your unit. What's the objective and the learning target? Oftentimes in our curriculum, the learning target isn't clear. We aren't sure what standard we're working on or where maybe we're working on a lot of standards. So as the teacher, when you are thinking about your lessons for the week or the month, What is it you're trying to get your students to achieve at the end of the lesson, at the end of the week, at the end of the unit? And once you have considered that learning target, choose a math task that best fits the learning objective. That's number three. So number one is kind of get the big picture with the standards. Number two is consider your lesson objective or learning target. And then number three is choose a math task that fits your lesson objective. So I kind of like to have a criteria for what makes a good math task. And I like to think about three things. There's a range of solution paths when we have a good math task. The task does not dictate how students will solve. So you've all seen those tasks in your workbooks um, that will say, like, draw a bar graph or use a number line to solve. 
Those are not allowing for a range of solution paths. Instead, that task is directing students in how to solve. A lot of times those tasks are good if you just take out that language of telling students what to do. Taking that language out can really improve the task itself. And then good math tasks have a low floor and a high ceiling, meaning students have access to the problem and they have the potential to expand upon the task. So that first step into the task should be relatively simple and then it should be able to be open enough where students can take it further. And maybe there's some different interpretations or some different answers to the task. For example, if you're working on fractions, maybe the answer is two-fourths, but it could also be one-half or it could also be four-eighths, right? So looking for a math task, I want you to consider kind of those three things, a range of solution paths, low floor, high ceiling, and different answers or interpretations of the solution. And not necessarily every math task has to have all three, but when you're choosing a math task, really look for one that's open. And when you're planning for that task, you are going to consider, as we've already discussed, the learning target for that task. And then you've chosen a task that's going to help students meet that learning target through the task. But we really need to plan for the math consider how students might solve that problem. Actually, solve the problem yourself and try to solve it in as many ways as you can. And consider the questions you might ask to help students move toward that learning target. The structure of your math discussion can come into play here. You might choose examples Um, to share in the discussion that are going to move students toward the learning target. So you might choose an efficient strategy and a non-efficient strategy. Or maybe you'll show three efficient strategies that all have one commonality. Really, once you have solved the problem and you've considered all the ways that a student might solve, then you can start to make some decisions on what strategies you want to highlight for students in the discussion. And those are going to be the strategies you look for while students are solving so you know who is going to share during your discussion. The fourth thing to consider when you're planning for a math discussion is the standards for mathematical practice. These standards can actually give you a really clear idea of what to expect from your students during a math discussion. And you can use them to create rubrics and checklists to guide your students toward that true mathematician behavior. Mathematical practice number four is model with mathematics. And this can help you get an idea of how your students' models should look, right? Their models should represent their thinking. This could be the focus of your discussion. Think for a moment, if you're having a discussion on a fraction task that students are just not agreeing on, maybe they can't seem to see that the fraction pieces are different sizes. Maybe consider the models. Are the models accurate and precise? Ask students to analyze the models in the work that you shared. How could we make this communicate our thinking more clearly? 
So for example, let's say a student drew fourths and eighths, but they look like they're the same size. You might ask, does this clearly show what we're trying to show? What makes this clear? What's unclear here? Really, the possibilities are endless with standards for mathematical practice. I suggest that you grab one or two and start diving in and think about what it looks like, sounds like, and feels like in your math class. And then talk with your students about it. Make one standard for mathematical practice the focus for each month or week. So in order to keep your discussion on track, right, give it a pep when it's dull, or generally just keep it moving so that students are benefiting from the math discussion and deepening their understanding, you as a facilitator have to have a plan and you have to be purposeful. So the four things you're going to do are unpack the standards so that you know the goal. Have a learning target for your lesson, your unit, and then choose a math task to fit that learning target. And then finally, plan those questions to nudge toward the learning target once you've considered what the math task will be. Use those mathematical practice standards to help you up the rigor of your math tasks, of student work, and of discussions. Those can become the focus of your math discussions. And if you're scratching your head thinking, now what are the standards for mathematical practice again? I completely understand. As teachers, we have so much coming at us, things to read, curriculum to sort through. Math practice standards are just another thing that we know we should read, but we just don't have the time. The standards for mathematical practice come from the Common Core State Standards, and they're really the habits and behaviors that students are working on from kindergarten to college, and they're developing these practices no matter what grade level you teach. They are valuable. They're a valuable tool that we just don't get time to spend digging into. So I'm going to jumpstart that for all of us with a new mini math each week. So each week we're going to dive into one math practice standard and unpack it, talk about the real world applications for our classrooms. You're going to leave that little episode with an idea of what the standard is and how to incorporate it into your classroom. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. (laughs) If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.